1: Wow, I could really use Current. I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech.
2: It's the Fightful MMA Holy Smokes Podcast with Showdown Joe and Sean Ross Sacks.
0: Joe, we are live on what I hope is Twitter and YouTube. Awesome. What's going
3: on, everybody? July 3rd edition of the Holy Smokes podcast. It is the post-Canada Day edition of the podcast. It is post-America Day, or no, pre-America Day uh, podcast, and it's going to be one that is absolutely stacked. UFC 226. Yours truly, Joe Ferraro, at Showdown Joe on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and all kinds of social media, and of course... My co-host, as always, managing editor of Fightful.com, Sean Ross Sapp, and I were discussing this UFC 226 card briefly before we came on the air. This thing is absolutely freaking ridiculous. Can't wait to break this down. We'll have a whole bunch of pros picks for the Cormier Miocic bout, Holloway Ortega bout, Ngannou Lewis bout, uh, Israel's bout versus Brad Tavares. You guys hear Chuck versus Tito. Chuck Liddell versus Tito Ortiz three has been booked. Under Golden Boy Promotions, I, but we'll talk about that in a second. You all know you're watching. You're all going to be tuning in. Come on, don't be silly. Uh, we will do a, a top 27 finale preview. Ozdemir's been moved from his Shogun fight. He's taking on Gustafson. We'll get to that as well. The disrespect uh, for Shogun. It's actually probably a better idea. I'm not going to lie to you. Mm. But you never know. He's through, I know he's had a three-fight winning streak. I gotcha. Uh, we'll also talk about the, quote, get the strap, end quote. I'm sure Sean loses marbles on that. I might lose my marbles on Paul Daly re with Bellator. We'll get to that in a bit. Uh, Josh Koscheck, Josh Hendricks are hanging up the gloves. Hopefully, John Rossap. hopefully they're hanging up the gloves. Uh, and James Vick against Justin Gaethje. Woo! That is going to be fan freaking fantastic. As always, ladies and gentlemen, live chat, top right of your screen. Please, by all means, uh, join us in the conversation. I'll pay attention to see uh, who's going on. Hello to everybody on there right now. You guys are already filling up everything. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you very, very much. I know, Sean, we're going to have tons of people uh, from around the world from my time in Titan. I explained to them, hey, man, they're like, what are you, what are you up to nowadays? And like, Fightful MMA, doing the podcast every Tuesday at 3 p.m. So I know we're going to have fans from Oregon, uh, all around Ontario here, Ajax, Oshawa. Uh, I know Hamilton. So there's going to be tons and tons of people uh, that will be tuning in today. So hopefully uh, the numbers look good, and uh, we'll take it from there. What's going on, brother? I missed you.
0: Just got back from vacation. I came back more tired than what I left, but we've got a ton of stuff this weekend. I'm doing a post-show live, the New Japan G1 post-show. Then it'll be a little bit later than usual. I'm going to be doing the UFC 226 post-show. My God, we have people at both shows. It is nuts. Lots of stuff going on. Click that uh, like button. Click that subscribe button. Visit FightfulMMA.com. We have a ton of news. Click that exclusive tab and you'll see a lot of exclusive interviews for this upcoming card. Just a ton of stuff going on. Man, let's go ahead and get into some news before we start to preview this show. Chuck Liddell and Tito Ortiz, they're doing it again. Keep in mind, Rashad Evans just retired. He sent Chuck Liddell on a... Un- an unreturnable path, essentially. Yes. Yeah. And we're going to do this again. I think Tito Ortiz has this in the bag. If you weren't paid to watch it, would you watch it?
3: Yes. I would, too. Just for the intrigue, brother. Just for the intrigue. It's it's in our DNA at this point here that when these legends or pioneers of the sport some way, somehow compete again, we just want to see. I mean, it goes back to the Ken Shamrock Kimbo, Ken Shamrock, Hoist Gracie in Bellator technically speaking, we shouldn't be watching it, but we're going to watch it. We will watch it. We watched it, and at the same time, it's no different than, you know, I'll watch an all-star, old-school, retired, vintage hockey game between the, the, the stars of the past against the other stars of the past just to see how these guys are doing. It's not high-quality hockey for this sport, high-quality mixed martial arts, but, you know, I'm going to watch.
0: Are you surprised that this is the fight that, golden boy decided to hitch their wagon to because honestly it's probably the biggest fight that they could put together all things considered yeah
3: i mean i'm not surprised at all i mean first of all i mean oscar de la Hoya promoting it properly calling them the legends and it's the final chapter uh, of these two guys with their bad blood and stuff like that you, you got to remember if you're not the ufc and technically if you're not bellator or ryzen where you can get these names already under contract if you can some way somehow finagle people out and do these one-offs? You're going to do it, and that mentality. I mean, how stacked is that card going to be? Really, it's not, right? No, so no, at all. To,
0: well, it's, from what we know,
3: yeah, it's uh, going to be a bunch of people that it's going to be are going to be loaned from either Bellator or Ryzen because, you know, the UFC will not be loaning anybody yeah. uh, to Golden Boy. So you, you make do with what you have. And it's a conversation I've had. I've had a, I've had this conversation recently, I would say about three weeks ago, um, with some big-name promoters, big-name trainers that have fighters in the UFC that are looking to put on promotions and, hey, Joe, how do we get a television deal with Sportsnet or or with TSN or, or with whatever? Well, I said, guys, you're not the UFC. Understand that these mainstream networks, they want the highest quality product out there. They're not going to settle for something that's not George St. Pierre uh, or not Conor McGregor. They want the best of the best. Now, you get Chuck Liddell and Tito Ortiz, people are going to pay for that. Whether it's pay-per-view, if they can get it on, on some other network, they'll pay. It's just one of
0: those things, right? By the way of pay-per-view buys, what would you expect from this, from what we know, Liddell versus Tito Ortiz? Tito seems to believe that they could do 500000 which, you know, I think... If it were in the UFC, I think it's a reasonable expectation because of the UFC branding and marketing. Now, I'm not saying that Golden Boy doesn't have marketing, but I, I wonder how much they know about the MMA market. However, I think that Tito's estimate, if it were in the UFC, is a fair estimate. And if it were in the UFC, the sad thing is it might do better than almost anything that's right been now. out there this year, which is wild to think.
3: Well, can they do 500000 Sean? Remember where, what, what Oscar De La Hoya could potentially be planning. He had no... He had nothing to say about the money fight. And we saw what the money fight did. Albeit Floyd Mayweather, Conor McGregor, they did that world tour. If possible, can you do that with Chuck Liddell and Tito Ortiz? Will they agree to do a world tour where they do the various stops and all the different media hotbeds to Could you to imagine promote Chuck Liddell
0: doing a world tour? What? Fuck, no. man. Yeah. Shit, right. dude. And Tito... When Tito's the stronger talker out of two people, yeah. that's a pretty messed up situation, it, it, in in my opinion. Boy, I thought for sure if it happened, it would happen under Bellator, but honestly, Golden Boy can... I don't want to say Golden Boy can give them more money, especially considering that Bellator just paid $1 million to 50 cent for the catchphrase, get the strap, boy. That... Dazzin money, that disowned money <laughs> coming in useful, Dazzin. huh? Those Dazz- dumbasses. Why would you pay for this? And I'm not sure what type of connection a 50 cent can provide. I don't know if this is them buttering him up. But my God, you want to talk about a savvy investment? Whatever he decided to use, to trademark that for, and then he sold it for a million bucks because some suckers at Bellator decided to come pay them. Embarrassing. Embarrassing.
3: Well, I, I'm just, I'm puzzled as to the why behind this. Why would you want this? Why would you want to do this? Why does this make sense for business? What will those three words with 50 cent get the strap do for your promotion? I mean, for $1 million, you could put on a pretty damn good fight card. Yeah. Pay hey, your fighters. Right, And uh, this is not um, – in no way am I saying am I taking a shot at Bellator for, for whatever reason. I'm saying you paid a million dollars for three words just because it's 50 cent? And hell, 50 cent, bro. Good on you, man. Good on you. You know, if I could – the Holy Smokes podcast, Holy Smokes. If I could sell that for a million bucks, I'm in. You make money. Jimmy Van makes money, right? But for what? I don't get it. I really don't get it. I'm I'm, I'm clearly missing the boat with this the zone and dazen days in, dazen days in confused yeah it's, i don't i don't i don't get it man
0: that's just such a waste of a good pay-per-view later in the year with musashi rory vanderlay rampage and then the, the welterweight tournament jimmy was asking me about that on last week's fightful little and Your boy show we've had a week to maybe digest that what do you think about them putting their server, which apparently is the top six thousand Alexa-ranked website, Dazzin, Dazone. <laughs> I mean, so apparently they have some sort of reach. What do you think about them putting the show on that network?
3: I don't. I mean, this is where we're going, John. This is where mediums are going to right now. It's all going to be streaming. I'm seeing uh, dudes in the live chat right now talking about streaming this, streaming that. You know, if it's this much, I'll pay for it. If it's if it's streaming and it's this price. I'll pay for it. That's where we're at right now, $25, $30. Like people are willing to pay certain amounts for certain pay-per-views by a streaming channel. So I mean, I'm not saying it's it's my age, but I like seeing things on television. Now, with the new technology these days with televisions, you know, you can it's it's all you know paper, not pay-per-view, but video on demand, and you can hook up your your internet to it and watch whatever you want on your television. I get it. But I don't know. I mean, just you, you, your your provider. You have to promote your provider, which is weird. Yeah. You don't have to promote what's on television. You know what I'm saying? Like if it's on TV, it's on Paramount or it's on Spike or it's on Fox or it's on ESPN. Chances are you already know millions of viewers are watching it. But now you have to promote that your product is on this streaming network. And you know, do people want to watch this fight on their phones, their tablets, their televisions? It's just but it's it's just the way things are turning, man.
0: <laughs> Speaking of Bellator, Paul re resigned. Boy, this is some shit, huh? I mean, he li- in his last fight, he literally booed Bellator. <laughs> he said, "Boo Bellator!" This is how you get fans. Well, let's be honest. Let's let's take him out of any title contention. Yeah. He ain't there. Stop doing that. It's it's the Rampage Jackson thing. Why are you putting him in these types of fights? Yeah. Who, who yeah. does that serve? Because nobody watching a Paul Daly fight says, man, I'm really excited to see if Paul Daly can defend the takedown. Nobody. Maybe some fool. We want to see him wreck faces. Or maybe get his face wrecked. That's about yeah. it. So he re-signed. He's going to fight. He wants to fight... All kinds of people. He needs to fight MVP. But MVP is going back to boxing. So what the hell is this guy going to do?
3: I don't know. That, that MVP daily fight is something I would absolutely – that's a fight you pay for, right? That, that's a exactly. good fight. That's a quality fight. I know it's a fight that really belongs in the mixed martial the, arts.
0: Third from the top pay-per-view fight on Dazzin.
3: <laughs> <laughs> I know it's Woo! a fight that belongs in the mixed martial arts bubble, but there there could be some mainstream people that can truly look at that matchup and, and, and build it up accordingly – and really say, you know what? That's a sick fight, man. Like, it's it's one of those um, – one sec. So, Sorry, ladies and gentlemen. My son's uh, right next to me here. He's trying to grab some stuff here he shouldn't be grabbing. So it's all good. You got your water over there?
0: They can't They can't see him anyway. All right, uh, good. So uh, this situation with the, the contract issue with Paul Daly, he was ready to leave. But where's yeah, he going to go? Get it. But where's he going to go? I mean, ACB, maybe.
3: ACB was what I thought, Sean. Rising? Yeah. I mean, the options technically are there. I don't, I don't think you can get touched by PFL, right? But yeah. the options were there. And he, he came across saying how much he hated Bellator. And then he signs with them. Like, what am I missing here? Because you did have options. ACB, Rising, for sure.
0: It's puzzling. It's very puzzling. And a guy that I wouldn't be surprised to see him face in the future is Johnny Hendricks, who announced his retirement from MMA after he lost his second fight in a row, his fifth out of sixth. His career has never truly been the same since, uh, really, the Robbie Lawler, first Robbie Lawler fight. Since he won the UFC title, his career has never quite been the same. He had a great performance against George St. Pierre, had a great career leading up to that, but since winning the UFC championship, he's won two fights. And that was in about three and a half years. He, he just had a rough go of it. A rough go of it and getting knocked out by Paulo Costa. was the young lion coming in and taking down the old guy. He had trouble making weight. Didn't work for him at middleweight. He did beat Lombard, but that's Lombard is a former welterweight as well. The thing that I'll remember of Johnny Hendricks is the fight with GSP. And the lead up to that. How he beat... John Fitch, Josh Koscheck, Martin Campman, Carlos Condit. One of the all-time best runs for a welterweight to get to a title shot that I've ever seen. And let's talk about how about before the Rick Story loss even. When he beat TJ Grant, which that win looked much better a few years later. And Charlie Brenneman. And a lot of people thought a lot of things of Charlie Brenneman back then, if you remember. Charlie Brenneman was... Uh, was something to behold. Before that, he was twelve and one going into that fight, and even did well after that. But Johnny Hendricks calling it quits. Your thoughts on Hendricks? I mean, I know that you're close with GSP, so you may have a bit of a different slant on him. But uh, yeah, your well, thoughts also, on his so career?
3: Here, here's the deal. First things first. Before I get to it, hey Jeff Duarte on the live chat. What's up? Talking about the showdown, Joe they There's actually showdown fight where from back of the day. I still have three of those geese They and I know a lot of professional fighters that still used them. Those things were made in Brazil, were fantastic. Anyway, um, Johnny Hendricks. So my thoughts of Johnny Hendricks. On a personal level, one of my favorite interviews to do all the time, especially when he won the title um, the first time and he had all three of his daughters there. And the second time I saw him when he was defending his title against Robbie Lawler, talking about the story, about how the daughters would use the title in the living room. And they would basically argue amongst themselves fight amongst themselves with the winner getting daddy's belt right it's so little cute things about johnny hendrix my in, in general my memory of johnny hendrix will also be the fact that how he had that run to the title like you said those vicious knockouts southpaw going absolutely ballistic dropping you know fools on their faces dropping fools straight backwards and
0: how but about the this? one never knocked out anybody again never finished anybody again okay so
3: this all goes back to a story I told uh, on, on the Holy Smokes podcast before we became the Holy Smokes podcast leading up to the Anderson Silva versus Chris Weidman one fight. Okay, I'll never, ever forget this. It's a pivotal point in the history of mixed martial arts in my career. Garen Teed. George St. Pierre and I are discussing certain things. And George says, I want to pay for Johnny Hendrix's I want to do Vada. This is long before USADA. Yeah. I want to do VADA, and I want to pay for Johnny Hendricks. I want to out of my own pocket. I just want us to show the world that we are not on performance-enhancing drugs. What people don't realize is the absolute disaster of a kerfuffle that involved back in the day with Zufa and how they prevented that from – I believe it was prevented from happening and how George St. Pierre got sick and tired leading up to this fight here saying i want to be drug tested i want him to be drug tested we have to set an example and george st pierre having already one foot out of the octagon before that fight actually took place if you take a look how george fought in that fight versus every single fight before that you'll probably understand why george fought that way he was done with the sport and it was johnny Hendricks who was opponent now part of that in my opinion and this is strictly hearsay but part of that, in my opinion, was George saying, "You know what?" Or maybe George, someone in George's camp, John, maybe someone, a doctor, something, and and him saying, "There's something up with Johnny. There's something up with Johnny. We, we should do this because there's no way someone can can go from that weight to what he looks like. Because if you saw Johnny Hendricks outside of um, being a welterweight, dude, was a big man. Yeah, he's, that dude. Could, he's a thick he's, dude." Yeah, he can pound back his barbecue, let me tell you, right? Like this guy's just – but to to George and his people, there was a lot of question marks there. And that was the infamous interview uh, that I did with George where George changed his tune from it's not the best fighter that wins, it's the best fighter on fight night that wins, to it's not the best fighter that wins, it's the fighter with the best doctors that wins. Yikes.
0: Yeah, and I mean that – that speculation was rampant, and I think it's going to follow him, even though he's never failed a drug test. Nope, nope. And then what happened after USADA came in? Look at
3: Johnny's career. Now, you, now we could say that about tons of fighters. It could yeah. be coincidental, but it, that's you asked me about Johnny Hendricks in my mind. Super nice guy, great guy, awesome family man, amazing fighter, but from my own personal experience, that's what I'm going to remember.
0: Yeah, and after starting with GSP, you look at the people that beat him. Robbie Lawler, Wonderboy Thompson, Kelvin Gastelum, Neil Magny, some studs. It's only been until lately... I mean, and Paulo Costa is also a stud. Tim oh, Boach yeah. is probably the worst loss he has, and let's be honest, on any given night, Tim Boach is a European uppercut or an overhand right away from beating anybody. That That can happen. That unfortunate string is what I will remember. However... I would not be shocked at all to see him fight in Bellator this year or to fight on that Golden Boy card with Chuck Liddell and Tito Ortiz. Wouldn't be surprised at all. Um, perhaps the biggest hit on his legacy is that goddamn steakhouse that he started. But uh, best wishes to Johnny Hendricks in retirement. It Yeah, we, man. It, it's always wild to see a guy who was a part of such a big pay per view. I mean that that sh- that GSP fight. Now, granted, GSP against anybody's going to sell pretty well, but six hundred and thirty thousand UFC would kill for three hundred thousand out of out of people now, and that's what Lawler Hendricks did. And since then, it's just been it's been rough. I mean, their rematch at four hundred thousand. Yeah, so, I
3: mean, th- just, just look at good Hendricks. Good. Hendricks in those Lawler fights, man. You want to talk about a dude that's got heart, a true fighter. Hendricks, man, that guy was, I mean, you, you go back and look at those fights if you've never seen them, ladies and gentlemen. That dude had heart because he took some poundings.
0: We, we talk about Cage Miles an awful lot. Five rounds against GSP, five rounds against Lawler. Oh, how about another five against Lawler? You got another three against Matt Brown. That'll do it to you, man. That'll do it to you. That'll put you where you just don't have any gas left, maybe literally or figuratively. What do you make of
3: Stephen Thompson calling out Robbie Lawler?
0: You know, I I like that fight. That's a good fight, but it'd be a real frustrating (laughs) fight, too. Uh, Okay. I like the fight. I think it's freaking awesome.
3: But I'm also a human being. I'm a man. I'll fight anybody to defend my, my honor and defend my home and defend my family but Robbie Lawler is one of those guys I'll probably never call out or defend myself against. I'd probably negotiate and be like, no, dude, please, please don't hit me. Like, Steven that, Thompson's a gangster, man. I Holy think Thompson Jesus. could
0: do well, which we'll see based on how he does upon his return from a knee injury, which he told yeah. Fightful.com about uh, about a month ago. I think he could get around a lot of Lawler's strengths. And, you know, man, I, I don't know what Robbie Lawler has anymore. It's hard for me to tell what, what he has. I mean... When he first came in the UFC, we didn't know what he had, but he fought against... It seems like it's been a year since he's fought, but he, he lost to Dos Anjos in December. But he has only fought... By, by the end of this month, it'll be twice in two years. I mean, he, he missed a year between 201 and 214, and he's dropped two of three. So, I mean, if I'm Steven Thompson, that's that's a solid call-out. It's a smart one. He's still a name. It's a way for Thompson to keep himself up there. He's still highly ranked. I don't blame him. Uh, Also, uh, another key cog in that welterweight division for years was Josh Koscheck. He last fought in February 2017, lost his Bellator debut, that six in a row for him. And the way that he went out, Johnny Hendricks, Robbie Lawler, Tyron Woodley, Jake Ellenberger, Eric Silva, and then Alonzo. But he was a character. And he was a big part of the Ultimate Fighter 1, succeeding to the level that it did. And we talked about uh, the Ultimate Fighter 2 winner, Rashad Evans retired. Rashad Evans, yeah. Man, we're uh, Ra- Diego Sanchez still hanging around, but you remember Ca- Josh Koscheck and how he was such a heel with Chris Lieben. Yeah, man. That That was something that the UFC needed. They needed a guy like him. He was never the biggest star, but man, he was one hell of a supporting character, Joe.
3: Oh, he was a—he quite the disturber, if you know what I'm saying. Look at that feud and how he got his title fight with George St. Pierre, right? Like, although, the, you know, at UFC, UFC 83, where he got his eye basically jabbed off, um, but he did what he had to do. And I'll tell you one thing about Josh Koscheck, okay? Whether it's him or whether it's Zinkin Entertainment, that dude there, financially speaking, I don't think he needs or ever needed money because he took a lot of the money he made and the investments that he made. He pulled me aside. I think we were in Seattle, if I'm not mistaken, in in, um, uh, one of the – the host hotel. Yeah, we stayed in the same hotel and he pulled me aside and he said – we're just talking finances, Sean. He had, at the time, I don't know if it's if it's viable right now because things have changed in the US of A. Um, he had investments, real estate investments, investments, Sean, that were bringing in over 9%, almost oh, yeah. 10% wow. return. Brother, if I had the money, I'd have been like, I'm flying down there. Let me figure this out, uh, Josh. I want in. I want in. Dude, 10% of your money on any real estate is, is freaking amazing. So... Whoever at was doing it was was really helping him out financially. And then he was just, to him, fighting in the UFC was butter. It was yeah. just butter, right? So hopefully he's got all that money and it's still there and, you know, he's doing pretty good. But uh, yeah, he, he, he was smart and he knew how to just disturb the force, man. Just cause a disturbance in the force and get himself up there. So yeah, good guy.
0: So his longevity, you know, he went over a decade, but he hadn't fought in the last year and a half. And the only—I mean, we talked about how Rashad retired. The only two guys still at it from the Ultimate Fighter, two even, are Melvin Gillard, who, you know, sad to say, what's become of him? But he's fighting Rizin next. He's, fighting well, he's, Gomi. he's also winless in his last eight. Even though I would love to watch that Gomi fight. And you have Josh Berkman who also not doing so hot in life. Uh, or at least in the UFC, he's lost five in a row. He's won one of his last nine fights. Diego Sanchez, tough one, still still there. That is, that is just super impressive in my estimation. Because, I mean, to me, this is, this is a thing that so many MMA fans came to the sport when these guys rose to prominence. I didn't realize in my head that I was so familiar with, like, the first few seasons of The Ultimate Fighter. I don't remember going back and watching all that stuff, but it was Destination TV for a while. Oh, yeah. And even Sanchez yeah. hasn't won since 2016, but, I mean, he fought in, in November. We, we've had Michael Bisping retire. I mean, he's gone. You've got so many guys, really, out of season three. Who's left? Kendall Grove? He's still around somewhere. Is Ed Herman still fighting? Yeah, he's still fighting. He fought a year ago. But, I mean, they're losing out. So, Kendall Grove lost three in a row as well. So, we're starting to see these guys that, even the ones with longevity, kind of start to uh, hit the bricks.
3: It's just a matter of time. It's father time, right? Eventually, it's just, it's got to happen, right? So, but the fact that, I don't know, man. It it brings a lot of memories back. It just goes to show you a lot of different things. Um,
0: Yeah, it did. Don't worry. keep going.
3: In time – or sorry, the generational gap of so many different fans that come into the sport.
0: We will work to repair the stream. It's going good now, but we've got two real big shows coming up. Also, well, before before we head to that, Ozdemir, out of his fight with Shogun Hua, it looks like Anthony Smith is in. Instead, Ozdemir will fight Alexander Gustafson. Well, that's, that's a good couple of fights in my estimation, but if I'm Shogun, I'm thinking, hey man, I'm like one fight away from a title shot. Yeah, you're right and i would be asking for it even if i beat anthony smith although i'm not sure he beats anthony smith but th- the disrespect to pull that fight on a few weeks notice no respect for the ticket holders either that's shit in my estimation to put that's like a third from the top pay-per-view fight now i get it they got to start loading these shows up a little bit more and you know we talk a lot about rights fees and all that goes on there wwe's deals kick in in october of 2018 or 2019 19 yeah i think don't ufc's kick off in january yeah oh boy that's coming quick
3: yeah what do you make of the whole wwe promoting and and talking about that i mean it's october 2019 holy smokes over it's almost like 18 months away
0: well they did it because their stock price is up to oh 76 dollars now now keep in mind a decade ago they were at Eight dollars, eight dollars. That's, That's an investment. And, and now they are for for years, even to a degree. MMA would too, but WWE would get the stigma of, oh, well, we can't sell your product to advertisers. That's why you got the goddamn bug assaults of the world, where it's a salt gun that you shoot at flies to kill them. That's what your <laughs> advertisers are. That's changing in October 2019. That's for damn yeah. sure. Fox said, we couldn't sell UFC. It was hard to sell it. Well, yeah, it's hard to sell it because they won't sell themselves. They won't market themselves. How how many times have I mentioned Vince McMahon's incredible desire to have a Mighty Mouse character in WWE? Not only does UFC have one, he may be the best fighter they've ever had. Wow. And they won't market it. So I think that's a big issue. That's a big problem. But we got Ozdemir and Gustafson. Shogun versus Anthony Smith. Yeah, that's fine. You know, I I didn't really want to watch Shogun get murdered anyway, so maybe that'll be better for him. What do you think?
3: I listen. I I'm I'm a huge fan. Um, I like the Ozdemir Gustafson fight a lot, a lot because it's going to say a lot about where these two stand uh, in this division, right? Like. It's, it's just a fantastic fight. As for Shogun uh, and Smith, that's a t- I, right now, it's a tough fight for Shogun, right? And a great fight for Smith. But that's a mixed martial arts fight where you just never know what can happen. Yeah. Right? You never know what can happen. I think we know what's going to happen pretty much in, in the Ozdemir Gustafson fight. It's going to be a sick fight. Um, but the Shogun, it's like, oh, my God, he's in big trouble. Anthony Smith's going to destroy him. Or you know what? The old Wiley vet pulls it off right? So it's going to be a fantastic fight. We'll see how it all, or fights. We'll see how it all goes down, but definitely looking forward to it. I mean, it's, you're right. It sucks for the, how it all went down, but
0: yeah, I got no problem. Let's talk a little bit about the ultimate fighter. 27 finale. We have half of the, the main event, Brad Katona. He's going to uh, take on either uh, Jay Chuchinello or Tyler Diamond. Jay is a replacement. Uh, Tyler is not, but in my estimation, putting back in a guy in the semifinals who lost his opening round kind of undermines the entire point of the season, yeah?
3: Me agree. Me agree.
0: Oh, man. And the thing is, you can't put Katona's, you can't put the one guy who lost via majority decision in there, which is even closer, because Katona's the one that beat him. I will be very, very excited when this is done away with. When the Ultimate Fighter is done, it's gone. Dana White's Tuesday Night Contender Series is a much better way. Also, it gets much more buzz. I can't remember the last time I saw more than one person live tweeting the Ultimate Fighter. I see people doing it for Dana White's Tuesday Night Contender Series all the time. Can't remember the last time somebody said, Hey man, did you catch that Ultimate Fighter fight? Because I catch them all right before the show think brad katone is going to win against whoever he faces whether it be diamond or uh chuchinello but really that's not the most interesting fight on the show really you have roxanne Modafferi and barb honchak barb came back after that big layoff and i mean a big layoff three years yeah and now she's fighting again she lost via split decision but she fought three times on the ultimate fighter too so after missing almost three years she fought four times over the course of a few months 38 years old Roxanne Montefiore has seen her skill level just shoot through the roof since her first UFC exit and I'm very glad to see her get another run how do you think this one goes
3: oh god I don't know I, I mean I, I'll lead towards Roxanne right but I still think Honchak's a badass. I mean, she's a, she's a minus 175 favorite, right? Yeah. So it's it's tough to say. My heart is always with Roxanne. I mean, it, there are many amazing, beautiful human beings in this sport. She's just such a good soul. Like she, I mean, this is a woman who wouldn't hurt a fly. She wouldn't, you know, hit a mosquito off her skin, but she fights for a living, right? It's just so weird. So uh, heart will always go with Roxanne, but my head might be saying Barb Honchak. It, it, it all depends, right?
0: I think Roxanne has this one, but uh, that that remains to be seen. On the prelims, you have the Matt Messettes, the Gerald Mearsharts of the world. Like, people who are familiar in name. Yeah. Because they've spent time in the UFC and Bellator, yada yada. But, I mean, there aren't a lot of big names on this show. I mean, Mearsharts won three of four in the UFC. But, man, part of me really wonders why'd you even put this show on? Why'd you do this? You could, uh, T- Tavares versus Adesanya would have been, uh, would have made a lot more sense on the, the following night's show. As yeah. well as, if you want to highlight the winner of the Ultimate Fighter, just put him on, put him on the damn prelims of the pay-per-view. It's, it's a little weird to me. We do have uh, Alex Caceres, always fun to watch. Yeah. Against Martin Bravo, but Bravo is one and one in the, in the UFC. I'm, Going to go with Caceres here, even though he's not seen the best of days. But Bravo, man, he's he's got – he can finish on the ground. He can finish on the feet. I just think this will be one of those traditional Alex Caceres moments where he beats a guy who he probably shouldn't beat <laughs> and sticks around in the UFC because of it.
3: Yeah. But you're right. You're right. Yeah. I, I, I'm, I'm – the more I look at this card, and, and to go back on your point there for a second, Sean, the more I look at it and realize this this card shouldn't even have taken place. To be honest with you, like it's just it's it's they've, they've got so many fighters on the roster. They all and they're this whole fight week thing, and you know got to have two. I remember when they had three events one time, but you got to have these events. You got to fill up the events with all these fights and these fighters. Realistically speaking, the Ultimate Fighter. Um, could it be the opening – the the finale of The Ultimate Fighter could be the opening card of the pay-per-view.
0: Sure. Yeah. I'm with right? you. Uh, that speaking... way people
3: tune in right away and they know exactly who the winner is. They get a contract, blah, blah, and then we go to the next four cards. Like, I'm sorry, but Israel Ad, Adesanya, that guy there is is something else. That guy, I understand he's in a main event, but he deserves far more um, – although he doesn't want to get pushed. He doesn't want to get babied, he said. But that yes, guy there is said. like the – yeah, he's like – Minus 130, I don't know. I know that that last fight that he had wasn't the greatest, but this guy is something else. He's something special.
0: He's 13-0. And, and He's facing a tall task in Brad Tavares, man. like he, Brad Tavares has underrated takedown defense, even though he doesn't have to worry about that in this fight. It's Adesanya who has to worry about the takedown in this fight. And Tavares has won five of his last six, his only loss in that period to Robert Whitaker. His only loss in the past seven years... Tim Boach, Joel Romero, Robert Whittaker, that'll happen, mate. That'll happen. I, I just think that that Tavares has faced a lot of really, well, some, some well-rounded people and some one-dimensional people. And that experience, I think, is going to pay off. He's fought awkward people like Theodoru. He's faced high-level BJJ guys with some kickboxing like Leites. He fought Christoph Jocko and knocked him out. Uh, Magalais went the distance with him. He beat Nate that was Had he not won that fight, he might not be here in the UFC right now. Yeah. But he also yeah. beat uh, Lorenz Larkin in 2014. And, man, he went the distance with a lot of these people. He goes to the third round with regularity. And that's not something that Adesanya was too accustomed to until his last fight with Marvin Vittori. However, man... Uh, Adesanya's got some elite level striking and an 80 inch reach. He's six foot four. I can't understate how important that is for that division. Joe, from a stylistic standpoint, how do you see this going?
3: Listen, uh, I know there's there's been tons and tons of comparisons um, to Adesanya and John Jones. He's the next John Jones, or he's a people think he's got that skill set like John Jones. It's hard to disagree, man. If you pay very close attention to how this guy speaks, how he acts, and I, I don't mean the, the, the negative stuff that John Jones has done. If you take a look at how this guy speaks, how we, how we, how he's wired, how he operates, how he does his interviews, heck, how he does his pros picks on our site, yeah. okay? and how he competes, this is a future champion here. This is a guy that can wreak a lot of havoc in this division. Uh, at this point here, Sean, it's going to take a lot for me to bet against Israel Adesanya.
0: Enough of what we think. <laughs> what do the pros think?
4: I, I, I've never heard of those guys before. Yeah, again, I, I, I'm going to be biased, but uh, even if I'm, I'm looking at it objectively, I mean, Brad's got way too much experience. Brad, Brad's got 16 UFC fights. He's going against a guy with two. Uh, and in the second fight, you could see the, the kid was starting to break a little bit. So uh, I don't know. I mean, I got I to go with Brad. I mean, Brad, Brad's my boy too, so... Uh yeah, I mean I, I might help him get ready for that one.
5: Man, that's a big that's a big jump in competition for Israel, man. I I think Brad, Brad's on a roll, man. He's you know, he's he's been in the UFC a long time, but he's really found his stride lately. Uh and that's not to take anything away from Israel. I think that dude's an amazing striker. Uh he's got an amazing background. He's an amazing personality. It's fun to listen talk to. Um or rather fun to listen. It's fun to listen to him talk. Um but I, I think Brad is, is the more experienced guy. He's been in been in a whole lot more positions and situations in the cage. So probably Brad. Uh,
4: you know, it really depends if uh, Brad Tavares gets kind of sucked into his game. I think uh, he can kind of show he's the full mixed martial artist. That uh, Obviously, with that being said, uh, Israel, um, you know, he has a lot of experience in kickboxing. But even his last fight against Martin, he showed a lot of holes in regards to uh, the difference between mixed martial arts. Uh, and, you know, part of that was being on his back half of uh if not the majority of uh, round two so you know i'm gonna lean to brad because he wins makes me look a little better
6: uh, i think it was that fight i mean uh it was just a very unorthodox fighter i, I was able to meet him and train him in, in uh in colorado a couple of years ago uh when he fought in the tournament for glory here And um, the the guy was surprisingly pretty good in a lot of areas in in MMA. I mean, um, I know he has the kickboxing background, so a lot of guys tend to write him off. It's like, oh, if he gets a good rest or a good grappler, his his days are over. But um, seeing the way that guy moves in the gym, I I think he's going to surprise a lot of people on that that night.
7: Man, man, I'm going to go with Brad Tavares, man. That dude's got a lot of experience. He's hard to hit. You know, I I feel like, uh, you know, he doesn't move, you know, He's not like super athletic, but he always keeps his hands up. So I don't think he's going to get knocked out or, you know, pieced up like that. Uh, I think he's going to smother Israel and, uh, you know, try and take him down, put him up against the cage and, you know, see what he can do from his back.
0: The Ultimate Fighter 27 finale. We will have live coverage and discussion of that Friday. I will cover it Saturday night. Uh, Programming note the UFC post show will start after. Uh, The New Japan G1 special uh, show finishes, so it'll be a little bit later, but let's be honest, if you're an MMA fan, uh, you're probably used to being up a little bit later anyway. I could say the same thing about New Japan fans, though, but we also have UFC 226 Saturday night, live coverage there as well. Jesus, so much stuff. Uh, Joe, as we run through these fights, hit us with some betting odds, but this is just a real damn good show there aren't any names on those prelims that are going to make people say, Oh my God, casual fans got to tune in. But there are just some good matchups. We've got Jamie Moyle, Emily Whitmire. Every fight in the strawweight division is important right now. Yeah. Every single one, whether they've won or lost or whatever. One fight can get you into the rankings. But Lando Venada and Drakar Close, by the way, we have interviews with both of them on Fightful.com. This is a good one. Lando came in with, with a bang against Tony Ferguson the week we started Fightful. We're two years that old was, this week.
3: That was such an amazing fight. And
0: we expected great things, and he's only won one fight since then. Went to a split with Bobby Green. But uh, Drakkar close, 8-1-1 one, and one in his career. This is a good opportunity. This is a good opponent for Lando Venata, and he I think he needs a win here.
3: Uh, well, yeah, you, you don't want to lose no matter what, but um, I, I think Lando Veneta pulls us off. He's a minus 185 favorite, uh, arguably one of the most exciting fighters that so many people haven't heard of, right? Like, he just comes to fight all the time, brings, quote unquote, brings the pain, end quote. He's just a fantastic dude, minus 185, yeah. Um, I like him in this fight here, although Dracar Close has a way of, of nullifying and neutralizing a lot of different types of opponents. Um, we'll see if he can do it for the full 15 minutes. I just think Lando Venata pulls us off.
0: I do too. Dracar Close is a real good opponent for him, and we've not seen the finishing ability out of Close since really he was on the UFC's radar. That year before he got signed to the UFC, I don't want to say he started to fight fight a little safer, but he wasn't finishing people the way that he was in his WFF and Rage in the Cage days, so... Lando Venata has told Fightful.com that he's learned to pace himself a little bit more. He's learned yes. to, to do that, and, and he, he understands that. That that's Dracar Close's way of doing things. And the last couple of fights have given Lando Venata a reason to want to pace himself. He, he had that no-lose situation against Tony Ferguson. And that truly was like a, a fight where you lose but you still come out a winner because of how the pain that he put on the eventual UFC lightweight champion and then he knocked out John Mcdessey. it's like okay boy he's living yeah. up to the hype and even in his two his two fights that he hasn't won the the loss to Tamer and the split to or the split draw to Green he's got bonuses so the man has earned $200,000 in bonuses alone in his two years so he ain't doing that bad financially but I think if he wants to stay in the area where he can get like really good fights from the UFC, I think he should probably he's gonna need to win this fight. Dan Hooker, Gilbert Burns, another good one. These are on the fight pass prelims. I don't know where the hell these are gonna go eventually, uh, when when that ESPN deal picks up, but Gilbert Burns won three of four. He is I think six and two in the UFC. Been knocking people dead, knocked out uh, Jason Sago and Damoret. Uh, both in the second round, and then you got Dan Hooker, who's been finishing people with regularity over the past year. Ross Pearson, Mark Jacasy, Jim Miller. Oh, this is a good one. This is a real good one. Uh, Dan Hooker has looked real, real good since going back to lightweight, and I love that. I love these guys who maybe didn't have the best run of it at a weight division lower, and they said, you know what, piss off with all this weight cutting, and they make a good run of it. I love that. How do you think this Hooker-Burns fight goes?
3: Oh, this is extremely close. And the odds will tell you. Minus 130 for Her- Hooker, uh, plus 110 for Gilbert Burns. It's not a pick fight, Ooh. but it's a very close pick-em fight. Um, I'm, I'm surprised I didn't see Gilbert Burns while I was in Florida last week uh, doing Titan FC. Because um, the gym is, is in the ac- actual same venue as the Extreme Action Park. So... Uh, was hoping – he may have been at Titan FC. I was just focused with Kamaru calling the fights, which were insane as is. Um, I don't know, man. It's a good question, Sean. I think
0: – It's a hell of a fight, it's, man.
3: Yeah, it's a, it's a pick-up fight. Literally for me, it's a pick-up fight. Anything can happen. I mean, I'd like to say Gilbert Burns, but Dan Hooker has a way of just – shut up, Showdown Joe. This is what I do. Boom. Over. This is, Done. This
0: is good matchmaking. This is really yeah. good matchmaking. Two guys on the come-up, two finishers. I really like it. Curtis Melender, I like him, too. He spoke to Fightful.com, won his UFC debut with a uh, knee knockout of Tiago Alves, got that performance of the night bonus, and he has been on some kind of streak over the past couple of years. I mean, this is a guy who lost three of four uh, from the time he was. You have
1: one unheard message. (laughs)
7: To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy.
0: It's time to rethink recycling with Renew.
7: Particular valued resources may vary by geography.
0: More info
3: available at heftyrenew.com.
0: And Bellator even fought his way out of Bellator, left Bellator on a, on a win, but had lost three of four, and then he's reeled off like seven straight wins. He's facing Max Griffin, who you know Max Griffin has has run into a, a Elisio De Santos and Colby Covington two guys that are just real good but he's got a nice win over Mike Perry from earlier this year another good uh good matchmaking call in my estimation not uh, any uh, I don't expect any of these guys on the top 15 radar anytime soon and if I were UFC I would have put this on the fight pass prelims and Put Hooker and Burns or Venada and Close on the Fox Sports 1 show. That's a little puzzling to me. But, yeah, I'm going to go with Melender here. I think Melender is, over the past year especially, has been really, really aggressive, and it's paid off for him. Uh, go find that LFA head kick knockout he had. Oh, wait, the first one. There were two. <laughs> but <laughs> go back and find that. That was some good stuff. How do you think this one goes? Yeah, I mean, it's... it's it,
3: I think I'm going to give the edge to Max Griffin in this fight. I think I am, only because of just he's just a beast. They both are, but I just like Max Griffin in this fight here. When when they first put it together, when it was first announced, and doing a little bit of research, I'm kind of like, man, this one can go either way. You know, Melendez can do this. You know, Curtis could get him that. And blah blah. I was like, you know what? Max Griffin impresses me. Impresses me a lot. I think he'll pull it off.
0: Rafaela Sunsau has technically won 10 of his last 11 fights. Unfortunately for him, the one guy that's beaten him in that period, technically, is TJ Dillashaw, who is the UFC champion. So, he's he's got a bold opponent in Rob Font, who we spoke to <laughs> at Fightful.com. He's won three of his last four. Is Rafaela Asuncao going to give Rob Font some Helvitica?
3: Yes, he will. There will be some Helvetica, guaranteed.
0: How can Rob Font underline his own skill set?
3: <laughs> he needs to make an impact.
0: <laughs> Son of a bitch, that was a good <laughs> that was that's good. That's well <laughs> good.
3: Um, I think Hudson should have got the nod in his last fight. Uh, oh no, he did. But I've just in in, in, in the, this is a guy who's undergone so much crap with his ankle and his Achilles. Yeah. That it took away, you know, a good piece of his career, uh, and I just think that he knows he's got to be hungry. He's not happy. He knows that, you know, I, I should be the champion in this division. He believes it, and I think he's going to have to prove it again. And you know, Rob Font's not Rob Font's no pushover. Not yeah. going to be easy, but I do think he he gets the job done. I think Usman pulls it off.
0: I do too. Uh, this is a big opportunity for Rob Font. If you're Rob Font, you have to be just jumping up and down. Over this, you beat Thomas Almeida, who isn't what we thought he was. This is a major, major step up, and for Rafaela Sunsal, he's just biding his time. He's trying to keep getting those wins in the event that a Cody Garbrandt wins, or maybe he can get a a rematch with TJ Dillashaw because, I mean, they do. He he does have a win over TJ Dillashaw as well. That would be a rubber match. So if I'm a Sunsal, I'm hoping. And the man will be 36 this month. He needs that title shot, and he needs it, like, soon. He needs it very soon. And I think he needed that knockout against Matt Lopez, too, which was eight months ago. Eight months ago. Because it had been four years at that point since he had had a finish. He really, really needed that. He really needed to underscore things just like he needs to do against Rob Font.
3: (laughs) We need a cheese meter. Cheese yeah. meter on the screen.
0: Yeah, yeah. Paul Felder, Mike Perry. So Paul Felder was supposed to fight James Vick, who again, spoke to Fightful.com. We're going to switch that interview around, get creative with it, but James Vick was not happy with this opponent. He said, I just took this fight because people knew about him because he was a he was an announcer. I don't think beating him really gets me anywhere in the division. So... <laughs> James Vick is pulled. He gets to fight Justin Gaethje. That's a hell of a fight, by the way. Jesus, yes. Paul Felder gets Mike Perry. That's a hell of a fight, by the way. Uh, I saw a story that David Tees did while I was on vacation. that said Donald Cerrone almost fought at 226. I'm just going to go ahead and assume it was this fight without even reading the article. But Paul Felder moving up to Welterweight to fight Perry. That's a hell of a fight. And it's one that I think Paul Felder is going to win despite the size discrepancy. I think that Paul Felder is a little, as not a little, he's much a much cleaner striker. He's won five of his last six. Mike Perry is, I don't want to call him the new Donald Cerrone because he has not earned that, but in the sense that he's willing to fight anybody, and you know that people will enjoy the fight if it's a striking fight, sure, but I think Paul Felder is going to piece Mike Perry up here. He's going to hop in, he's going to hop out, and Paul Felder is... This is right now, this is all icing on the cake in my estimation. If he gets a big good run out of this while he's being a broadcaster, he's got a lot going for him right now.
3: Yeah, you and the betting public as well as the odds makers agree that Paul Felder is gonna win this fight. Now not by much. He's a minus one fifty five favorite to Mike Perry's plus one thirty five. I, I take just think that. He, Yeah, I'll take that. Ah uh, No, I won't take it. I agree with it, it. but I won't take it. I won't put money on that, Um, only because it's just, I wish Felder was the underdog that I would put money on it, but he's not. Um, I think it just goes to show you that all the hype around Mike Perry sort of got derailed, um, especially in that last fight, because people were expecting so much more from him. He was in that mix at the time of those four guys in the division that could wreak havoc and this, this, and that, and the whole Darren Till situation, and running up to the cage and screaming and blah, blah, and it's just sort of like he sort of fell off right now, and he needs to get back on that ladder and climb that ladder. Felder's no joke, man. Felder's going to come in there, be as stoic as he usually is, pick his shots, and just make Mike Perry pay for signing on that dotted line, and he'll, he's, his, his striking is precise, man. He's got some damn good combinations in that arsenal that Mike Perry may have to realize after the first, you know, two and a half, three minutes, like, okay, I'm not in a fight anymore. I'm in a boat. I'm in a a mixed martial arts boat here. This is not a fight.
0: So Perry was also supposed to to fight Medeiros. The carousel of these guys outside of James Vick are just kind of funny because you have Gaethje, you have Felder, you have Perry, you have Yancy Medeiros, these guys who have these exciting styles. Speaking of sometimes exciting styles, Uriah Hall taking on Paulo Costa. Ooh, I'm ready for this one because I do the UFC rankings update on FightfulSelect.com and it's a thing I bring up all the time. Middleweight division is going to change. It's going to look a lot different. Uriah Hall is a top 10 middleweight fighter. I don't know how. I mean, he beat Jotko, knocked him out, cool. Lost three fights before that, beat Musashi. So he sandwiched this losing streak between two major wins. But this guy is so inconsistent, and everybody agrees it's the same thing. He pulls the trigger, he wins the fight. He pulls the trigger, he wins the fight. Paulo Costa seems to be one of those guys who has no problem pulling the trigger, especially if someone else is hesitant to. He has never had a fight go to the third round. Ever. The thing is that either bodes, I think, very very well for Uriah Hall or very very badly for Uriah Hall, based on based on if he'll let his hands go, let his feet go, come forward.
3: The biggest favorite on this card is Paulo Costa, which means there. the biggest underdog on this card is Uriah Hall. Uriah Hall What's is that guy uh, minus one thirty. Sorry, minus four thirty for Paulo Costa. Some have it as high as minus four sixty five.
0: What? What's Uriah Hall's line? Uh, plus three forty five. Oh, I'm putting some money on that. Right? I'd, I'd put so, some money on that. That's that's one. That's a flyer. You cannot count Uriah Hall out against this. any middleweight.
3: One one site has Paulo Costa at minus five forty five. Uriah Hall plus three seventy.
0: That's that's unbelievable. Yeah. That is unbelievable. Now. Do I think cost is going to win? Probably. But I think that yeah. Uriah Hall is good enough, dangerous enough, and deadly enough to put a little bit of money on, to put a little action on there.
3: So, ladies and gentlemen, what you just saw Boy. In, in front of your own eyes, if you're watching this live or if you're watching it later or listening to this, you just saw an example of how to properly look at, an, at odds and say, what? Huh? I'm going to throw some money because... Uriah Hall is so unpredictable, we don't know what he can do because he can end a fight when he decides to do it. And it's a situation where you say, well, you know what, Uriah Hall, I'm tired of his act and I'm tired of him not pulling that trigger and blah, blah, blah. But the capability is there for him to do it. That odds of plus 335, plus 345, plus 370 makes it worth your while to say, you know what, throw a couple of bucks on there. I'll get a crazy return and not a crazy amount that you would put down and say, you know what? I don't mind losing this money because the upside is absolutely huge. You're not dealing with a situation where this is an investment uh, in real estate or long-term stocks. This is a one-time thing. Saturday night, I can make some really good money on an underdog sure. that potentially could be a favorite uh, when he decides to be. So the money on this fight should go on Uriah Hall. The money you don't put down is on the, the favorite, who's probably going to win this fight, Paulo Costa, because he's a murderer. The guy's a killer. He's an absolute beast. And I remember telling Elias Theodoro when Paulo Costa before he made his UFC debut, I'm like, you need to pay attention to this kid. This kid's going to be a disaster in your division. And you know, Elias was like, well, we'll see. What he's got to, he's going to have to work his way up. Well, he's worked his way up quicker than Elias has getting these big fights. So Elias. Now he needs to look at Paulo Costa and say, okay, that guy there is going to have to be on my radar real soon.
0: We also have to wonder aloud, will Uriah Hall make it to this fight? No, it's at middleweight. Yes. That That is that is a concern. The pay-per-view card starts out with Gokhan Saki against Khalil Roundtree. This fight was supposed to happen in December, but Saki was injured. Uh, then Roundtree lost, but his guy was popped for Clomiphene. Gokansaki had uh, quite an impressive UFC debut. It was a blast to watch. Roundtree, I think, might be a little more well rounded than uh, Gokansaki. That could be some trouble. I mean, Roundtree, before The Ultimate Fighter, was a big, big, big prospect. Gokansaki is very one dimensional. How do you have this one going, and how are the betting lines for this?
3: Uh, they're close. Minus one thirty-five for uh, Saki and Cleo Roundtree is plus one fifteen. Not a pickem. Almost a pickem. Saki can um,
0: s- sit in, liver kick him, and that's a wrap.
3: Yeah, yeah. I mean, who cares what Saki's odds are? Just referee, move. Let me watch this guy fight. That's, that's, that's all that matters.
0: That's what I'm looking for. It's hard for me to break this down because I've got so little, such, such a little amount of footage of Gokan Saki within an MMA world. And really, that fight he had in 2004, it doesn't mean shit now. Like, what does that mean these days? Uh, something that does mean shit now is Michael Chiesa, who claims that he was going to get a UFC title shot with his win a few months ago. He was not, but we have an interview with him at Fightful.com. Taking on a former UFC champion and Anthony Pettis, who has lost two of his or won two of his last seven fights, Pettis has to win. He had a fight of the night against Dustin Poirier. That's nice. He won his return to the lightweight division against Jim Miller. Meko Chiesa on a bit of a different track. He lost a year ago to Kevin Lee in controversial fashion, but he was losing that fight no matter what. He ain't getting a title fight with a win over Pettis. That's not happening. However, you know, while while I say that Chiesa is on a better roll than Pettis, he also hasn't won in over two years. He fought once in 16, once in 17. It's his first fight of the year. That doesn't bode very well. But then again, when Pettis fights, it's been inconsistent at best. And it, woo, a lot of question marks on this one, Joe.
3: Take him down, get his back, choke him out. Right? Kiesa, don't even bother daring to stand and trade with him. I wouldn't. Uh, Just clinch, dirty, extremely dirty boxing, and I know Pettis has a good ground game, let's be honest. He's got a a really good ground game. It's underrated, it's underappreciated, but take his back. Take his back, don't get any shins, elbows, knees to your face in a stand-up, you win this fight. If you don't do that, you're probably going to get bloodied up. Now, Kiesa's uh, is a minus 155 favorite. Cool. Plus 135 uh, for Anthony Pettis. Understandably, you know, I, I know I can tell by your face you're not liking it. Um, oh, by the way, Ole Samuel, a, I got five on it. That's a great name for a podcast talking about mixed martial arts and uh, odds. I like it. it. I can. We already have the music in our head. I got five on it. So of course. Gotcha. But uh, you don't like those odds, eh, Sean? Michael Kiesa,
0: one, minus 155, think, Anthony Pettis plus 135. Kiesa should be a little bit more of a favorite, but yeah. Yeah. Top three fights are something special. Francis and Ganu, Derek Lewis. Before we get into what we think, let's hear what the pros think.
7: They're
6: basically the same guy, except Gano's a little bit better at it. They basically just go in the middle, hucking, hucking, duck, and whoever lands is the winner. I think Ngannou's reach gives him an advantage, and he's got pretty good hand speed. I think he wins
1: that one. Oh, Nagano's gonna knock Lewis into the next century, man. Lewis is a little fucking turd, man. That guy's a fucking fat, sloppy. He gets tired just putting on his pants, man. That guy's a joke, man. He's not gonna beat a real fucking heavyweight like Francis Naganu. I'm
5: gonna go with I'm gonna go with Derek Lewis. I know a lot of people are picking Francis, but Francis showed in in the Stipe fight that he's very hittable. If you're willing to stand there in front of him and not try to avoid engaging with him, he's very hittable, and Derek Lewis has got the power, man, and, and he's got the chin.
4: Oh, yeah. Uh, look, I don't say nothing bad about Francis. Francis is the man. <laughs> Francis is the man. I mean, I love Derek Lewis, too. But, uh, you know, I, I see Francis around here too much. He, he, he That motherfucker kind of scared me. Uh, but, you know, I, I don't know. I, I, I've been even asking uh, Francis if he needs some help on his wrestling. Uh, you know, I, I've been thinking about reaching out and helping him out a little bit. So, um, I mean, I, I just see Francis being more well-rounded. Well, oh, Jesus Christ, yo. Hide your wives, hide your kids,
8: because they're raping everybody. Up <laughs> That's it for that fight. Just run, everyone. Just run around in circles and scream. That's going to be a great fight. Knockout, guaranteed. Guaranteed. Someone's going to sleep. Somebody going to get the hurt real bad in that fight. <laughs> I might have to say Ghana. Yeah, if they stand, unless Derek just takes him down and beats the fuck out of him. Unless Ghana hasn't, Worked on his defense, on his wrestling defense a little, a little bit more. But um, yeah, for that fight, hey, I'm on Mystic Mac. Like I said, hide your wives, hide your kids, hide everyone. It's gonna be crazy.
7: That's tough, man. I'm gonna go with Derek Lewis, though. I'm gonna go with Derek Lewis, man. I think he he hits harder. Probably not as athletic. You know, I think he's surprisingly athletic for a guy that big and built the way he's built. Um, you know, he's shown to you know take it a little bit, and then you know you know start swinging. But um. And even if he does get taken down, I don't think the fight's going to hit the ground, but he's showing that he can just stand up whenever he wants. So. Um, stay with the American, Derrick Lewis.
6: <laughs> when in doubt, go with the American. I mean, uh, Derek Lewis, Lewis, I feel like is a more well-rounded fighter than uh, Nagano is. Uh, I know Nagano recently switched up his camp and started uh, um, training more in Vegas with other gyms other than the, his own uh, particular coach that he brought with him from Paris, so... Um, we might see some different things from N'gannou, but um, at this point, I think uh, Derek Rose is just more evolved and has a lot more tools to win the fight.
2: Oh, I'm going with my teammate Francis N'gannou. You know, I've been, I've been I've been out here in Vegas with Francis a lot. He's a funny guy. He's a character. We've, we've grown a little relationship amongst us. And uh, yeah, Francis, 100%.
0: Full pros picked videos over at FightfulMMA.com. Click that exclusives tab. Also, we have a full playlist on YouTube.com slash Fightful of Pros Picks. By the way, we have started a new YouTube channel, Fightful Scraps, which contains some clips of our uh, of several topics throughout Fightful history. But we got Nganu. We have Lewis. Despite what many may think, the size discrepancy isn't that different. Derek Lewis listed as 6'3". Nganu listed as 6'4". Lewis kind of seems like a a Mark Hunt height because he's little and he's stockier. But I think Nganu's got the tools to put old Derek Lewis away here. Your thoughts?
3: Methinks thinks the is correct because it's not going to be pretty.
0: How are the lines for this one?
3: Uh, minus 380 for a certain Francis Ngannou, Bear. plus 315 for Derek Lewis. Uh, this line I'll
0: is say where it this. should be. I'll say this. Yes, it is. Also, it's worth putting a little bit on uh, Derek Lewis again, too. It's worth putting some money on a Derek Lewis-Uriah Hall parlay. A few bucks, because uh, <laughs> you just never know at UFC heavyweight. You just Never know what happens if Ngannou gets dragged into the third round again. What happens if Derek Lewis can just take all this punishment without shitting his pants? Maybe, maybe Derek Lewis has it within himself to do that. He did get derailed by Mark Hunt, but ultimately he still won seven of his last eight, so he is worthy of this spot. But you got to believe that the UFC wants Francis Ngannou to win. He's their boy. He's their boy. They would love Daniel Cormier, Francis Ngannou in the future. They would love that. Oh, boy. I don't know if Daniel would like that.
3: No. But they would no, love he would. that. We'll Honestly,
0: to... Daniel Cormier probably takes Ngannou down, which we'll talk about in a bit. But yeah, this is a fun heavyweight just... fight.
3: Yeah, so I, I think, first of all, my gut's telling me Francis Ngannou. No ifs, ands, or buts. Uh, not that it's going to be a cakewalk, uh, but... Derek Lewis doesn't have, in my opinion, that explosive sort of takedown that Ngano needs to worry about. I don't think he has the cerebral pedigree that Stipe Miocic has. Um, I think Derek Lewis is going to go in there and realize real quick that I better protect my face, my chin, because this guy is planning on on crushing whatever chiclets I have in my mouth. And in doing so, um, I also, on the flip side, think to myself... What would go through my brain? What would go through Sean's brain? What would go through everyone's brain right now in the live chat in general if Francis Ngannou suffers his second loss in a row? What would we all think?
0: Man, that would be tough. That would be tough. But still, we've seen it happen so many times in this heavyweight division. People lose a couple fights in a row, two out of three. They bounce back and they go on runs. I mean, Jesus, that's been the story of Overeem's career over the last six, seven years. And ganu has got this, I think, that uppercut, I think is ultimately something that he exploits. Uh, Lewis either keeps his head down or his head up uh, very often. He doesn't have the best head head movement, so I think that's going to play into this fight. It's going to be a big key in this fight. We'll lead into our co-main event. Ooh, this is a good one. Brian Ortega, when he first came into the UFC four years ago, we knew he had the submission skills. He had that situation where he tested positive for Drostan after his quick UFC debut. He's very lucky USADA wasn't in the house yet, or else he would have missed out on a couple of years. And really, he he wouldn't have fought until really after his Clay Guida fight happened, and by then he was 3-0, 4-0 in the UFC. What we've seen over the last two years is him round out his game. He's got knockout power. How do we know this? Oh, because he knocked out Frankie Edgar and Clay Guida. Not exactly two guys that get knocked out a whole lot. Or, how about this, ever? Really? Really? Uh, maybe Chad Mendez knocked out Clay Guida once, but Clay Guida fought in how many fights? 50? Frankie Edgar doesn't get put away like that. And he put them both out. Oh, then he tapped out Swanson, he tapped out Moicano. He earned this spot. So he's a jiu-jitsu practitioner who just added and added and added and he's young and he's got four bonuses in his last three fights. That's promising. But he's fighting Max Holloway. Max Holloway, who beat Jose Aldo twice in a row. Unfortunately, he couldn't make it to the the Habib Nurmagomedov fight, but Max Holloway is trying to solidify himself as the greatest featherweight of all time, and he beat the one other guy that he is in contention for, at least from a resume perspective, in Jose Aldo. He overwhelms people. How do you think this fight goes? Holloway, Ortega, let me know the lines and your thoughts on the fight.
3: Uh, Max Holloway favored at minus 135, Brian Ortega plus 125. So is this hype that is following Brian Ortega or is this real shark money that says this guy's the real deal and this fight could, could go either way? Now, in, in examining these two guys, the way they compete, Max Holloway's not going away. So this has five rounds written all over it. Anything can happen because Ortega has that ability to end it real quick with that power. So does Max Holloway. Uh, The way he broke Jose Aldo Jr., if he can break Ortega, can end this fight. Ortega needs to get a hold of of Holloway's neck. And things can get real ugly for Max Holloway, right? This is going to be – No matter. I feel that no matter what happens or how this fight ends, you cannot turn your head away. Because it could end at any time or it could go the distance where you'll have to go back and realize, damn, did I score rounds one, two, three, and four? So whatever you do when you watch this fight, don't take your eyes off it. Score each round because you may need to tabulate your own unofficial scorecards at the very end. It's not like one of those fights where you're like, ah, whatever, if it goes the distance, who cares? Or blah. No, this one is going to be extremely close. In my opinion, extremely close, but can end at any time because both guys have that ability. Because Max Holloway can – if Max Holloway can withstand Brian Ortega's strikes and, and keep his neck and grip away from from uh, Brian Ortega, he has the ability to break Brian Ortega who hasn't really seen this caliber of opponent late in the fourth or
0: fifth round. Because Holloway so, will come at you. So one of the great things about Max Holloway is he's exceptional. At striking from a distance, he has great head movement, but he will brawl if he sees an opportunity to brawl and needs to brawl. Also, he doesn't get in too much of a rhythm, which is a very good thing for him because he can seamlessly transition his strikes. He can, he can throw wild stuff. He can throw really technical stuff. He can go in range. He can go outside of range. He can work the clinch. He can pop in and out. He can use footwork. And it's really hard to time him. It's really hard to narrow down what he's going to do next whenever whenever he's on the attack. We've seen him maybe not throw a strike for a full minute, lull somebody in, and then just blitz. Work somebody against the cage and really utilize that reach. That, that seems to be a specialty for Max Holloway. He's finished his last three opponents, but he's won 12 fights in a row in the UFC. Hasn't lost since he was 21 years old. Since Conor McGregor damn and it was looking hairy for him for a while started out 3-3 three and three in the UFC but he lost to Poirier, Dennis Bermudez and Conor McGregor and he has just been full steam ahead since then opponents miss weight who gives a shit he beats them, <laughs> who cares Charles Oliveira beat him Stevens, who was pretty close to getting a title shot beat him Lamas Pettis, Aldo twice beat him this guy is very special. I can't wait to see this fight. Enough of what we think. Here is what the professional fighters think. If you would have asked me a
4: couple months ago, I would have meant Max right away. Uh, I'm still going Max, but it's, it, it's a better fight than, than than a few months ago, I think, even. Uh, Max, Max for sure, but good fight.
9: Brian will tell you, he's undefeated right now, right? He's amazing. Max Holloway is huge for the division and awesome fighters, so talented. That's going to be, I don't even know who to say for that, actually. Uh, I never i never like to really guess on fights, but that's thats going to be an exciting fight. I'm looking forward to watching that.
2: I think Holloway. I think Holloway will piece him up over the course of five. Uh, probably won't finish him, but I think it'll be, at certain points, it'll be like a dirty fight. You know, like in close, fucking getting down. Um, Holloway is super smart when he fights. Like, he's so intelligent as a fighter. Uh, so I, I think he'll be able to stay away from Brian's strengths, you know, his submissions, his guillotine, his ground game. And I don't think he's going to – Brian likes getting those close uh, dirty boxing matches, and I don't think Holloway's going to lose in those positions. I do think he'll be able to take him apart.
4: Uh, I got to go
1: Holloway. You know, his experience is uh, – man, his footwork is unlike anybody else's in this game, and he's continued to evolve and get better each fight, and so is Ortega, but I think he's a little young,
2: and he hasn't been as tested as, as Holloway, so I got to go Holloway.
8: I'm going to go with Max Holloway. I think it's just he's on a roll right now, and the way he uh, – I like a stand-up. There's a lot. Of people sleep on it. A stand-up is it's more cerebral than people think. He's not just a scrapper. Like he'll be like, yo, point to the ground, Hawaiian style throw it down. But he's not just a scrapper. He's a lot more smarter than than people people give him credit for with a stand-up. And yeah, I think his jiu-jitsu as well can match up well with Ortega, Even though Ortega's on a on a roll right now. But um, he's tall as well. Ortega's tall. I got I, I, I have to factor that in. But um, boxing wise, stand-up wise. Also, I'm going to go with Max in this fight.
9: Oh,
2: man. i going to have to go with Brian Ortega. He's just on the streak right now. I mean, he's fought some good strikers. His striking has been looking better and better each time. And if he gets you to the ground, he's finishing you. So, I mean, I don't think it's going to be an easy fight for him, but I definitely think Brian Ortega wins.
5: That's a really good fight. Um. I think I think Max, man, I, you know I, I'm definitely it's one of those fights where you don't really root for either guy because you like them both so much. Uh, Brian Ortega is really young, and Max has got a lot of championship, a lot of championship time in there, man. He's he, he's experienced. He knows what it's like to be in those fights. He knows what fight weeks like. People people don't really take that into account a lot. Brian Ortega, this is his. You know, it's a lot. You know, Connor talks about it a lot how you got to, like, kind of work your training around the media, and Max has kind of got that down to a, to a science by now. So I think Max, I think it's his time right now. I think that Brian Ortega is going to be a champion for sure uh, one day, but uh, I'm just not sure if that's going to be right now.
2: Bless Dara. I've, I'm going with Max for sure.
9: Uh, I believe that Holloway is going to come out with a win. I know that Ortega, he's caught, he's caught a lot of people with a. The little sneak attack got the got the uh, the guillotine on Cubs Swanson, and he wound up knocking out Frankie Eger And I, I give it to Ortega, you know, he's doing great things, but I just I just don't see him beating Max. I think Max is a a lot smarter, and you know, I, I think the other two guys they they were so so excited because they were there, but Max Holloway he's already he's already he's already there, and I think he's already established. And he's not going to get uncomfortable and make a mistake, you know? You know what? That's a good fight to see. I really want to see Ortega and Khabib because I think Ortega could beat Khabib. I have Ortega winning that, and I have Ortega beating Khabib when that fight
4: happens.
0: It's time to talk about the night's main event, and damn, am I excited for this, Joe.
3: Damn Anthony Smith for that prediction. Yeah? He's just so nice. He just... Eloquently put it out there. And that's it. I like it. But
0: yes, this main event, Sean. Um... I, I want to, first off, before we talk, we break down the fight, I want to talk about what this means for each respective man's legacy. Daniel Cormier is trying to do something that John Jones has not done and that nobody has done. Hold the heavyweight and light heavyweight titles at the same time. Stipe Miocic is looking to extend his legacy. I mean... For 15 years, nobody could defend that UFC heavyweight title more than twice in a row, and he finally did it. And his run over the past 26 months, his title run, has been unbelievable. Verdum, Overeem, Dos Santos, Ngannou. who oh boy, that's something. He, he's done it and finished almost everybody except for Nganu. He's broken records. But for Cormier... I think it's something that he can do that John Jones hasn't been able to do, Joe.
3: A long time ago, when John Jones first came to the UFC, a few fights in there before he even became the champion, before that Shogun fight, I, I, I remember saying it on, on Sports. i taking a lot of heat for it on social media. I said, John Jones will not only become the light heavyweight champion in the world, he will one day move up to heavyweight and become the heavyweight champion in the world. Now, that hasn't panned out for not really my fault. Johnny, okay, John? Could have been doing it by now, John. But now Daniel Cormier has that opportunity. And this would be great, fantastic, unbelievable for Daniel Cormier's legacy. I think all the pressure in this fight is on Stephen Miocic. It's definitely not on Daniel Cormier, right? And some might say, well, that's stating the obvious. It's not really stating the obvious, but he's the heavyweight champion of the world a man from a lower division is coming up to defend that title or is coming up to challenge for that title, even though we all know Daniel Cormier's history at Strike Force and tournament undefeated champion. Undefeated as a heavyweight. Undefeated, yeah, undefeated. So he's got the skill set, and the only reason why he went to 205 is because he could make the weight. But his training partner, Cain Velasquez, was the champion. Yeah. Right? So now here's the opportunity for Daniel Cormier to have this incredible legacy, although it will always have an asterisk next to it. Of John Jones. It feels as if Daniel Cormier could defeat every human being on the planet but John
0: Jones. So, you want to know the real sad thing about that entire situation the Cormier and Velazquez thing? Since Cormier moved to light heavyweight, Velazquez has fought twice. <laughs> twice. Oh, God. The last yeah. time Velasquez fought was the week that we launched Fightful. How about that? How about that? It's horrible.
3: That? It's just horrible. Not not horrible in. The, if, Sean, I'll say it till I'm blue in the face. I feel bad for the guy. I really feel bad for the guy because these injuries have just taken away that what yeah. the, the the one man we all thought was going to be the greatest heavyweight of all time. Not all of us. Many of us thought was going to be the greatest of all time.
0: Daniel Cormier technically yes like he's he's got such a weird path because he defended his light heavyweight championship technically technically he has been light heavyweight champion for over 3 years isn't that a little wild However Anderson However, Silva non-title bout he lost to John Jones and it was overturned such a weird path he beat an Anthony Johnson that was mentally checked out. It's so weird. However, you know, there there were times when I was ready to kind of discount him. I, I thought he was beating Nosdemir. I didn't think he was beating John Jones. <clears throat> he got in trouble a couple times with Anderson Silva. He's like, Let me give these people a show. Then he remembered who he was fighting. There are aspects of Daniel Cormier's game. I think he's more dominant on the ground than Stepe Miocic. I think that he holds down his opponents a little bit better. You can even see that statistically. He gets his head off the center line just exceptionally well and has amazing head movement while throwing those loopy punches and rocking back and forth. Uh, but the thing is, when you're facing a Stepe Miocic, you're facing a guy whose science behind his strikes don't have to follow any conventional rules. He's knocking people out with his hands at like 90-degree angles, and I'm not talking like hooks. I'm talking like short punches moving backwards off balance on a counter. He's knocking people out. He blitzed Verdum moving backwards with an arm punch and knocked him out. So even if Cormier, who likes to get into that clinch range, he likes to get into clinch range and basically... Dirty box. Yeah, dirty box. You're still not out of danger there. You can't just wade in. And usually a lot of times what Cormier does to set, what he does when he sets that up He'll grab the clinch, that way they'll pull up on the head, and his hips are already going to be underneath most people anyway, especially Miocic. But that helps set up a takedown, gets him off balance a little bit. Then he can push through, drive through. He's still not safe there with Miocic. Because if Miocic breaks that clinch and just throws some short shit, it might be lights out for Cormier. One of the things I love the most about Cormier is how he is able to take people down and how he is able to even release them. Like, he throws people, lets go of them completely, and there are split seconds where he has no physical contact with these people. But then he throws all of his weight, which is on a much smaller frame, which is more compounded and almost more impactful because of that short frame that he has, on top of people, and he lands in advantageous positions. Uh, a lot of heavyweights aren't used to those high elevation slams like Josh Barnett had wrestled for so so long and over I, under what do you mean
3: yeah yeah over yeah. under who sorry i believe stipe miocic is going to be airborne
0: yes i believe so too and Wh-
3: which round over under
0: i think round 2 Live chat. If it goes that way. Over if it goes under. That far. Do you think Steve
3: Jamiocic, because what Sean is saying is so bang on, Cormier will find a way to lift this massive human being in the air. like Josh Barnett. I love Dan Henderson and make him look like he's a paperweight. Yeah. Okay. Over or under. Does it happen? And if so, when? Sorry, Sean. Please continue with your analysis because it's fantastic.
0: Yeah. That high crotch that he's able to employ and just swinging people around. And the thing is, he doesn't necessarily do the takedown to inflict the damage. He does the takedown to gain position, and he lands for impact. That's one of the most impressive things. Like, you'll see him, like, splash somebody like he's the freaking Ultimate Warrior. King like, Kong Bundy, bud. Yeah, it's, it's, it's fantastic, and I'm really excited for this fight. Not only am I excited for this, I'm excited to see like if Curtis Blades fights one of these guys next, because that matchup is exceptional too, because yeah. he's got high-level wrestling, and I want to see whose skills are negated tonight, and whose skills are negated in the fall or the winter. I have not been this excited for a fight in a very long time.
3: So the, the key for me in general, okay, um, leading up to any UFC pay-per-view, leading up to any um, main event in general, is the mainstream texts, That I get. Sorry, my phone's plugged in. I almost (laughs) ripped it. Um, When people start messaging me, Sean, who are not in our bubble, hey, Joe, what do you think of this? Showdown, what do you think of that? Showdown, what are you doing Saturday night? Showdown, where are you watching this fight? I know that there is some interest out there. Because generally speaking, when one mainstream person, party, fan messages me, it's because they're talking with their boys. And those mainstream boys are talking with their boys. So there's a lot of interest in this fight because people realize the importance of Daniel Cormier, what he's done. They know he's got a name. I'm not talking about in the USA, America, because you guys get to see this chap all the time on television. We don't get that up here. Rarely do we get it up here. Okay. we also know Stipe Miocic uh, up here as the heavyweight champion. He should be way popular. He's not. Uh, That's his own, of his own doing, but he's the baddest man on the planet. This fight is stupidly ridiculous. It is a fight fan's dream. It is, believe it or not, you can work on a commission, on an athletic commission, and be completely unbiased, but you're watching this fight, because this is an awesome fight.
0: Man, that night is just so loaded. New Japan G1 special, UFC. Before we go, hear what the pros think.
7: I'm going with DC, man. I think that, uh, I think Stipe is good,
0: but, uh,
7: you know, he, he, he's he been rocked before. Um, and, uh, I, I think that Daniel's, uh, DC's wrestling was just on another level. So I think he'll find a way to get to get attached and, uh, you know, just be on top of him. And it's going to be hard for Stipe to get up. I'm going to go DC.
8: Weirdly enough, I'm going to go DC. This DC is just different. You know, and I know why people give him shit. He's, you know, He's cool. I haven't met him yet, but he, you know, he's cool. I've, I've talked to him in the past. Um, Neo Chick's just a big, fucking, hard-nosed, working kind of guy. Like he, he, gets his, he gets, he gets his shit done. Like you see in the last fight with Mangano. Um, mm, I say DC. I just feel, I don't know. I just something just said to me. DC. So I go DC in that fight. And he's also you see him at Strike Force running through the heavyweight stand, and he works with heavyweights all the time. He's a heavyweight himself. So he's not, you know, new to handling heavyweights. I say DC.
2: Damn. Man, I feel like every one of these are a tough one, man. Um, shit. Okay, well, we know DC has competed and won in one and the force Heavyweight Grand Prix. He can compete at heavyweight. Stepe is another beast, though, man. Stepe is a wrestler with punching power, and he's a big, big man. He's John Jones with 25 more pounds of muscle. So DC's going to have his hands full. In that one. But with that said, I'm going to stick with my Lafayette, Louisiana hometown native. Daniel. Not the diamond. Daniel DC, whatever your name is. Cormier. Yeah, I'm going with him. The main event, the super fight, the light heavyweight champion versus the heavyweight champion, Stipe Miocic versus Daniel Cormier. That is an easy pick for me. I got to go with the champ. I got to go with Daniel Cormier. Um, I think that him being a heavyweight is going to benefit him a lot he was undefeated at heavyweight and uh you know daniel's always had quite a gas tank he's always been able to push a hard pace and i think taking the weight cut out of the equation and uh, him being able to go back to heavyweight for the first time since what like 2012 was the last time he fought uh man just i think that he's grown a lot since then i think he's gonna make him a better fighter not having to worry about that weight cut because i know I've heard numbers of what Daniel's cut on fight week, and it's it's pretty crazy. So I think that this is going to benefit him a lot, and I see Daniel getting his hand raised.
6: Gosh, that's a war, man. Um, after seeing what DC was able to do to like Josh Barnett and stuff, it's kind of hard to bet against him. But Stipe just has that mentality right now. You know, Going into the Ngannou fight, like no one was picking him, obviously, because the hype train was on Ngannou for some reason. I'm picking Stipe, but... It's, it's not one of those fights I bet on.
9: I love both guys, but, you know, uh, I'm going to have to go with Stipe and that one. Um, I feel like people always count him out, and uh, he's proven, you know, he's one of the best, if not the best heavyweight that, you know, the UFC may have ever had. Um, but I think, and don't get me wrong, Daniel has fought heavyweights, prestigious heavyweights in the past and done just fine. He used to compete in the heavyweight division. But I think if Stipe can use... You know, just his length, his his size, not not so much his power, because I think Daniel can compete with him in explosiveness and power. But if Stevic can just keep that range, keep that distance, and keep him at there, I think that uh, that Sleep can can win this fight. But if Daniel goes in there and turns it into a ugly fight, how he does, then I could easily see it going his way.
0: I I, I think corner guys. You can see the rest of the pros pick for Cormier Miocic at FightfulMMA.com. That is our time. You can follow Joe at Showdown Joe. Follow me at Sean Ross Sapp. Remember, doubleheader Saturday night. New Japan G1 special. Then we got UFC 226 podcast right after that. We'll be a little later than usual. Joe, anything else before we go?
3: Yeah, just uh, Steve Miocic is minus 230. Daniel Cormier is a plus 210, just so everyone knows. Solid. Uh, yeah, good luck with that. Uh, other than that, back to the grind for this guy here. Back to soccer coaching tonight, tomorrow, game on Saturday, or game on Thursday, and then tournament on Saturday. Got to watch all my World Cup games. And then got to get ready for all the stuff that's going to happen on Saturday night. I've uh, Got a bunch of stuff happening Saturday. Got to get home in time because uh, I don't want to sit there and record this event both Friday and Saturday, and then have to watch them on Sunday. I want to watch this stuff live uh, or as close to live as possible only because there's nothing worse than Sean Ross Sapp's tweets about something that went down in a fight. And I'm like, I'm not there yet. I'm not there yet. I want to catch up. Hold on. Right. So, and, and, you know, Sean's usually bang on and his comedy is just absolutely electric. So that's my plan. Work, 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 work. And Saturday cannot come soon enough.
0: Guys. Fightful.com. Leave us a thumbs up. Subscribe. We are on Twitter and Periscope today. We'll do that more often. I think it really helped expand our reach. But let people know about it. Maybe uh, people haven't heard about our show. MMA, not exactly on fire these days. But <laughs> God damn it, we are. We're out.